Isn't that just good? If we get to be led by that with excellence week in and week out, that is good. That is good. Hey, if you come in since our services have started, my name is Jack. I'm our Williamsburg location pastor. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, just a little heads up as we get started. Um, this is a little different, little different Sunday. Um, we just wanted to kind of carve some time to do some things a little different today. Uh, this time of year, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's kind of transitioned to summer. There's some graduations happening today, some in the coming couple of weeks. But we know summertime's a time of where we can pause just for a minute and going into kind of maybe what some of us think is a break. Um, maybe it's time for us to consider the journey in which we've been on, the, the path our life is kind of moving. So we can just sit back today and just for a minute, I want us to breathe, create some margin, and not think about what's next. Because if you're like me, you're probably already thinking about the barbecue after the service or where we're going to eat or what the kid's doing or are they acting crazy or do I need to go to the store and get something? I'm just going to ask you, try to, if you can, because I can't all the time do it, just put the brakes on just for a minute. And the reason I want to do that, I just kind of want to have a conversation this morning. Because sometimes in our life we have to stop and we have to take in what's happening week in and week out. And there just needs to be points and times where we examine. And the last series that we just finished with Pastor Trevor, I thought was excellent on all kinds of levels. But for me, it got personal. And I just started to stop and slow down because I've been running at a pace that just, it seems like when my head wakes up off the pillow, it's go. It's go, it's go. And sometimes I didn't realize just how fast I was going or how much time I was burning or how much fuel I was burning. And, and during that series, he would say things like, if we want our lives to count, and I think we all want our lives to count, our pace has to be profitable. And oftentimes we're outpacing ourselves. So we need to stop, examine, and see where we are. If we want to redeem some days that maybe we've wasted, some days that we've not spent well, Maybe we've unintentionally, maybe we've intentionally wasted a few. We've got to stop. We've got to take a step back. We need to examine. Let's make some adjustments. And that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to try to make a few adjustments. And so what I want to talk about today is something that when I stopped to think about my life and to think about where I was, there were some things happening. There were some things that were going on and there was this black fog that was trying to descend on me. You ever felt like there, you just can't tell what's going on? So if we want to redeem those days, let's stop. Because I've discovered that when I stop, some things can happen, fresh and new. Because there's a disease that is unique to only us as humans. It doesn't care whether you're in this generation or that, you're old, you're young, it doesn't matter if you're of this ethnicity or that ethnicity, it doesn't matter uh, what your circumstances are, your place in life, it doesn't matter how much responsibility you carry or you not carry. This thing, when left unattended to, it can do some disruption in your life. And ministry people are not numb to it. You're not numb to it. And chances are today you've experienced it. Some of us online or maybe in the room are experiencing it, and I have experienced it. Now, that's this word right here discouragement. You ever been there? Mmm, I don't like discouragement. It is this black descending fog that gets around you, and it is this thing that when you allow it to, it will 
fog up and distort the reality in which you're living in. And if you're not careful and you let it slide in, what it can be is potentially catastrophic for your life and mine. Because when I let it impact me, it impacts other people. People that I get to work for and people I get to lead. People that are in my home, my family, my friends. And it just gets you before you know it if you're not careful. And here's the thing I don't like about discouragement. It's a feeling. So if it's a feeling, it's a choice. And I've got myself in a place to where I've made a bad choice. How are the circumstances in your life right now? Because leading up into that sermon series, mine was busy. Always doing something, out late eating, out late getting home, going to a baseball game, going to this, going to that. Running at both ends of the candle, letting that wick fly as hard as it can. Building a campus in Williamsburg, managing the project in a, of that, doing my duties and my responsibilities here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I can fill in the blanks and fill in the blanks, and you can fill in your blanks too. But people everywhere face this thing called disappointment. And when we get disappointed, if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to get to this place of discouragement. And it will almost make us give up and stop and quit. And I can tell you that we're not immune to it, and neither were the folks that were in the Bible. And you can just read the Bible, and there's all kinds of them. But let me give you a few of my examples of people that faced discouragement. Job. If you don't know anything about Job, Job pretty much had everything. And in a moment, he lost everything, except for like a couple of crazy friends and a wife. I'm not going to call her crazy because, you know, I'll get in trouble. But Job, here's the problem with his friends and his wife. They didn't understand who he was with God. And they wanted him to curse God. Just go on and die. Job was disappointed with his friends and his family. How about Jeremiah? The prophet Jeremiah, he existed during a time where Israel was completely turning away from this covenant with God that had been set with Moses on Mount Sinai, and they were rebelling, and they were doing all this stuff. And Jeremiah was called to preach a message of repentance week in and week out. So you can imagine if you're in ministry and you're called to do this, and you've got some expectations for how God will show up and for how the people will respond. And Jeremiah gets a title that, oh, it's a crazy title, but he's known as the weeping prophet. He's just broken all the time, facing discouragement all the time. And then this guy, we could spend weeks on him, is David. David would say, Lord, in the Psalms, he would say, the water is up to my neck. I'm stuck in some mire and I can't move. Where are you, he would cry out. Have you forgotten me? But even the guys that were closest to Jesus, these guys right here, the disciples, they faced some real discouragement. They had been with him, some, a guy for quite a few years. And then all of a sudden he's arrested and he's going to trial and he's died on a cross. And somewhere in between the arrest and the trial, the thing that they never could get was he's coming to usher in something new. Not a kingdom that the world knows, a new kingdom full of love and grace, of redemption. And those guys were a little disappointed. They had some expectations that weren't being met. And they had given up their lives and they had worked so hard for something. And their problem was they just didn't understand. And then out of that group, there was one guy particularly named Peter. You think about Peter. This dude was like the leader. He could be a hothead. He could be the over-the-top leader that sometimes we don't like. 
But he would look at Jesus when Jesus would say, you know, you're going to deny me. No, no, I won't deny you. And then by the next morning, what Jesus said of Peter was true. He denied him. So can you imagine the personal disappointment when your own personal expectations didn't meet your actions? Peter faced it. But the guy that I most think that I connect with the most in the scripture that faced discouragement was this guy right here, Elijah. This guy was around in similar times like Jeremiah. The people had rebelled and he was called to get the people's attention back on God. God was using him in a great way. He had a plan, he had a purpose for his life. But his life circumstances were crazy because of the time he lived in. There was a king and there was a queen that was just crazy. Things were not adding up all the time. But he was persistent in his prayer and he was persistent in his pursuit of God and he was persistent in the application of his gifts that God had given him to use. So he comes with this message to this guy named Ahab and Jezebel and the Israelites. And in the middle of all that, we get to see Elijah be encouraged and be used in some incredible miracles. And here's some of the miracles. Drought. God used him to pronounce drought for over three years. It didn't rain. And then in the middle of that drought, there was a widow woman. The scripture says she had some small jars, just enough ingredients maybe to make some bread. But all through the drought, that small jar had never been refilled, but somehow it was continually supplying them with their needs for the day, their sustenance, their provision, their bread. And then that widow had a son. The son died. And it says Elijah went into the room. He laid down with the, the kid, prayed with him, and he got up. Life was breathed back in him. Now Elijah is communing with God in a cool way. But then the one we know is his little stunt on Mount Carmel, where he goes up and gets all the false prophets of Baal, Asherah. And he goes up against them and he taunts them a little bit and he says, all right, here's the deal. You get a bull, I get a bull. We'll cut it up. We'll call on our gods and whoever, whatever God brings fire, he's God. All right, you got it? Good. And so he taunts them all day long, all day long. They start cutting themselves and all this crazy stuff going on. You can imagine this crazy scene. And then the day went by and nothing happened from the side of Baal. And then during a drought, Elijah has an altar rebuilt. He has the bull prepared and put on the altar, but then he goes and gets four jars, and not once, but twice, but three times, he has the jars filled and pours it over the bull, saturating the bull, filling the trench around the altar, and then he prays, and God brings down fire and consumes this bull. And at that conclusion, something kind of crazy happens. Elijah rounds all those prophets up, and they slaughter him because the people have pronounced, he is Lord, he is God. God had been at work in the middle of Elijah's life and Elijah had seen it close hand and up close and personal right in his face. But then there's something that happens. Ahab leaves Mount Carmel that day. Even in the midst of seeing one more miracle where he prayed for rain, as Elijah prayed for rain to come and told Ahab to get going, he goes to Jezebel and this is what happens after Ahab gives Jezebel the news. Says this, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely by this time tomorrow. I don't take your life like that of one of them. Now you can imagine Elijah, he's starting to rally the troops. He's ready to fight. He's going to get another altar together. We're going to show this woman who she is. She's not seen God yet, but she's getting ready to see him. He's going to stand up and fight. He's going to muster everything he has because he is strong and he is courageous and he's seen God at work. But here's what happens at the same may not happen. Let me ask you, if you were Elijah, what would your response be when you hear this? 
here's what scripture records. Elijah was what? He was what? He was afraid and he ran for his life. And you read this so quickly in the scripture, you're going, how can this guy go here to here? But again, we're human. And we're but a step away from disappointment and discouragement. Elijah had been working under hard circumstances. He was tired, he was fatigued, he'd been doing the ministry. He had an expectation of response of the people when they saw God show up in these miracles and he just didn't show up. And if you read Elijah, this is what I've been reminded. That even when we get on our mountaintops, guess what? We didn't get there unless we went through a valley. And you don't get back off the mountain unless you're going through a valley. And so when you're not careful, circumstances may not add up. And if you're not careful, you could find yourself in some disappointment. So he ran and he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. He just saw all this stuff and he's so frustrated. And he gets to this point where he asks God just to let him die. I've had enough. Anybody in here ever said, I've had enough? I've had enough of this. I've had enough of the schools. I've had enough of the teachers. I've had enough of my kids. I've had enough of my husband. I've had enough of my wife. I've had enough of my brother. I've had enough of my sister. I've had enough of my job. I've had enough of the finances that I can't seem to dig out of the hole on. I've had enough. And what we quickly learn is the same thing that Elijah's going to learn when he says, take my life. When expectations meet disappointment, discouragement happens. It happens. And we allow it to happen. And as Elijah ran, he got under the broom bush. It says he prayed and he fell asleep. And then there was a tap. An angel came. And God was still after Elijah. And the angel provided food. There was bread on a hot stone. And he had provided food for him. So Elijah ate and he fell asleep. He was tired. You ever been tired? You can get so tired, you can bottom out. You're tired. Elijah's on the run. He's sleeping every time he can get a chance. He's tired. He's fatigued. Then the angel again comes to get up, get up and eat. You got a long journey ahead of you. Get ready to go. So there's provision. And then he sends him off. And then for 40 days and 40 nights, Elijah travels. And he comes to Mount Horeb. Some people believe that's Mount Sinai, the mountain of God where Moses was given this covenant for the Israelites and the Ten Commandments and God showed up on this mountain and so this is where he goes but then it says not only when he got to the mountain he went in a cave because he was still afraid and he hid and here's what I think happens for us there's moments crafted God does them and for me it was the last series to where he you know God will come to Elijah he'll come to you he'll come to me and he'll just say this he'll ask this question the same thing he says what are you doing here Elijah what are you doing why are you even here? Why'd you make this choice? Why are you hiding? Why are you off your path, your life's purpose? What are you doing? What's going on? And God knows what's going on, but he's got to get Elijah to shake loose. So Elijah gives a response and he repeats it twice. He says, oh, I've been jealous for the Lord. People won't listen. They've abandoned the covenant. They've torn down the altars, da, 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 da. And then he does it again. Have you ever done that? My kids do it all the time and I do it. I'm just being honest, I do it too. I got an excuse here, an excuse there, an excuse here, an excuse there. But Elijah was on God's mission. God wasn't on Elijah's mission. And this is the problem right here. Something's shaking up. So he tells Elijah, get up and go out and stand on the mountain. So then God shows up. He does four things. He sends a powerful wind. Scatters the rocks. Then he sends an earthquake. And then he sends a fire. 
But it records that the Lord was not in none of those. But after the fire, came a gentle whisper. Elijah, you've done all these great things, but I'm Lord of all these things. Why are you hiding? When we outpace our life, it can get so noisy you can't hear from God. When discouragement sets in, you have set yourself in the center of your own circumstances. And that's exactly what Elijah did. As long as he was in the middle of the miracles and doing what he had to do, God was the center. He was the focus. When Elijah got so disappointed that discouragement set in, guess what he did? He moved God out of the center and he put himself as the focus. And when we're tired and when we're outpacing ourselves and when we're not counting our days and when we're letting fatigue set in and we're letting all these things happen to us, because they're going to happen. When we let discouragement set in, what we've done is we bump God out of the center and we sit down in it. And nothing good comes of it. There's a potential catastrophe comes when we allow discouragement to rule our day. And we don't have to let discouragement to rule our day. Because like Elijah, when you hear from God, you can recenter around God's purpose for your life, where you're going and where you're coming. So the next few moments, we're just going to give you some time and we're going to carve out some margin. Because if you're like me, you're spent. And you may not even know you're spent. I didn't know it. You can be frustrated in ways you don't understand. You're frustrated because you've not stopped, examined, carved out some time. So let me ask you some questions this morning. First of all, are you tired? Now, you got to be real honest with this one. Because we like to play the pride game. We go, yeah, but I can go some more. But how long have you been trying to go some more? Are you fatigued? Are you frustrated? Are you fearful about what's now and what's next for your life? Are you in a blame game? Ah, it's their fault, their fault, their fault, their fault, not my fault. Maybe even defensive. I found that for me a little bit. I get a little defensive a little too quick. And here's all we have to do. Today is not overly therapeutic. It's just what I know to do. Let's simply do this, like God taught us to do. Let's rest. Let's carve out some time just to rest. Shut off the phone, shut off the iPad, shut off the computer, shut off everything, and just rest. And if you can rest a little bit, then, then it'll give you clarity of mind so you can reorganize and get your priorities back in line. See where you sit in the middle of God's plan and purposes for your life. Then you can hit that reset button. When you're fresh, you can hit a reset button. Because here's what God is good at doing. It's called grace resetting and restarting our life with his love because he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and for my life. And if you can reset, chances are, I can imagine as Elijah heard the whisper, he was reminded that the God had always been with him and was for him. And he remembered. Can you remember the things that God has done in your life for you, through you, shown up around you? Do you remember? Because if you do, then we can get recentered. 
And let the King of kings and the Lord of lords be the center of our life once again. So here's what I'm going to do for you this morning. It may be a little uncomfortable. Maybe you're new to the creek. You can participate, not participate. I'm going to ask us just to do this. Let's shut our minds off just for a second if we can. If it's even possible, I don't know. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I want to just say some verses over you. I want you to think about these verses just for you. Not for someone else. For you. Because maybe God just wants to whisper to you today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord your God is your mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. When you pass through some troubled waters, he will be with you. And when you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jesus said this to his followers after he gave them the great commission. He said, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And Paul said it this way, that for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, any height or death, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So maybe just for a moment, as your eyes are closed and you're thinking about those things, you could do what the psalmist tells us to do in Psalm 46, to be still and know that I am God. So in this moment, as you think about those things, as hopefully you can slow down, we're just gonna take a few seconds. I'm not gonna say anything, we're just gonna sit in the quiet of the room. And maybe you'll just take a moment to see that God is still for you and he's whispering your name. in these moments where we run at a pace that sometimes is unsustainable our life circumstances are not adding up our friends, our family maybe even ourselves have been involved with the disappointment we face and we feel and just maybe it's just a circumstance right now that we're we've gotten some bad news and then we're not sure our faith has been shaken we just need you to show up. 
Lord, for some that are in here that discouraged this morning, I pray that you would make yourself known to them in these moments. That you would never leave us or forsake us. That your name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Lord, you are good. But even better than that, you are king. You are the king of our lives and you are the king of our heart. And you're the God that was the same yesterday. You're going to be the God that's the same tomorrow. But right now, you're the God that is here with us today. And you are the same. And you want the best for us in these moments. And so, Lord, we're going to sing out in just a minute your name. And be reminded that you're the king of our heart. And that you're never going to let us go. You're never going to let us down. You're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us before. Because you are God. We thank you that you love us. You said that. You have us in the palm of your hand, and you would never let us go. I am thankful for the security I have and the God that loves me that would step out of heaven to go to a cross to become a king unlike any king this world has ever known. So, Lord, in these moments, as we sit and as we sing, I pray that we would, be make, that we would make much of who you are in Jesus' name.